getting ready to fight. Amen. Good morning. Wow. Wow. I'm telling you, the most exciting thing I saw this morning was men broken in worship. Man. I mean, not for nothing, not, not to take anything from the women. You guys always go in and you guys always worship and it's beautiful. And, and, and that's amazing and I think you can find that a lot. But when you see men just warring before God, that's exciting stuff. Amen? Wow. Wow. All right, there's room, everybody. Amen. Let's start with a quote this morning. That's so fitting. Father, we just thank you, God. We thank you for your word. I ask, God, that you would remove me, God, that you would speak. That you would prepare our hearts to hear. Father, reach us, teach us, and bleach us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Here's the quote from Albert Einstein this morning, of all people. Albert Einstein said, that brother's smart, right? So we should listen a little bit. He said, there are only two ways to live your life. One, as if though nothing is a miracle. The other, as though everything is a miracle. I've been trying more and more to live my life as if everything is a miracle. When you start to see God in everything, you, you see life differently. Amen? The other day, how many of you uh, saw the, the blood moon eclipse? That was a couple of weeks back. Right? Remember that it was, everybody on Facebook's freaking out, right? The end of the world, blood moon, all this not. It's just relax. It's an eclipse. But it was amazing, man. I, I, I remember I was standing in the kitchen with my son-in-law. We were looking out the window. And, and it was like in my backyard. It was right there. And we watched it. It was about 10 o'clock. And, and it was just starting to cover. And then slowly, you know, a couple minutes later and a couple minutes later. And before you knew it, it was just perfectly aligned. You guys saw that? How the sun and the moon just perfectly aligned. And I, I don't know about you, but, you know, to, to, to me, I was, that was miraculous to me. I saw the miracle of God in that. I saw I, my poor son-in-law, I, I started preaching in the kitchen. He had to just sit there and listen because to me it just, it blows my mind. I know that some people can say, well, that's just science. That's just astronomy and astrology and that's just, you know, the planets lining up and every couple hundred years that happens. Okay, you can say that as if nothing matters. You can say that as if it's common. To me, that's amazing that these planets and these suns and these moons to spin in perfect alignment. You, you, you get me? In perfect alignment and, and not, I mean, to me, listen, you can believe in the Big Bang Theory. You cannot have, you know, any belief in God and just believe in the Big Bang Theory that, you know, look, I brought the illustration that just one day, that was powerful, right? I got more. Look, that just one day, bam, and bam, and Bam, one thing, one day, just things collided, and then out of that, watch carefully. No, no, maybe let's do it again, hold on. That time it didn't work, but then again, you know, 
evolutionists and them, they say that it takes a couple of million years. So let's just, you know, maybe we'll wait. We'll do a couple more and we'll wait. And then somehow out of the explosion, things are just going to start. They're going to, might have not happen this morning, but you guys keep watching as I preach. But it might happen where just somehow they're going to just start all of a sudden falling into alignment. And I'm sorry if I scared you. We might, things just start falling into alignment. And they just start circling each other. And it's just, um, you've seen the Jimmy Dean commercial, right? With the cheese and the bologna and the turkey. And they just go in perfect alignment. To me, I mean, that's, to, 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 when I saw that thing just come in perfect. Listen, I built furniture from Ikea. How many of you been to Ikea? Right? Women love it, men hate it. Because you buy one bookshelf, like for the whole wall, it has a coffee maker and, a, and an ice cream machine and all these things. And it comes in one flat box that weighs a thousand pounds. And then we have to build it. But listen, I built things from Ikea. And, and that, those things are designed by brilliant people on computers, engineers. And I can't get those drawers to line up the right way. But, but nobody gets amazed when the planets... You know, this, the enormity of this thing is just... Now, you, listen, you have to excuse me, but I've been on, like, debate mode for a, a couple of weeks. And so, you might excuse my sarcasm, but I've been just kind of in debate mode. I've been in, like, defender faith mode. At work, I'm just telling everybody we're talking about their mission of religion. I break it down for them. I just let them know. I'm in that mode. Defend your faith. Know what you believe. Understand what you believe and why. And always be ready to give an answer, right? So, I'm kind of in that mode. I've been, I've been listening, you know, and, and I'm thinking, like, why do I believe the way I believe? Why does she believe the way she believes? Why don't she believe the way I believe? And why don't he believe the way she believes? And if he believes the way she believes how come she doesn't act the way he acts and and all that stuff is is right it's been making me crazy and it's becoming more and more apparent to me let's just that's in case people would like fall asleep i'll just start bam all right sorry and it's becoming more and more apparent to me that we are all wired to believe we are we're wired we need something to believe in we all believe in something I've listened to enough atheists at this point to know that they are wired to believe. They believe so passionately that they don't believe anything that it's a belief. (laughs) Why are they showing up at Christian conferences and Christian debates? Who cares? If you don't believe, then don't show up. Live your life. Go to Ikea. Build furniture. Right? No, but you are so passionate about what you say that you don't believe because it's a belief. You believe. It's, it's sad that I've heard atheists that are more passionate about what the fact that they don't believe in anything than Christians who actually admit that they believe in something. Uh-oh. And so anyway, I was watching this famous debate. It was this famous debate in, a, in, a, in, college, in one of these colleges between a Christian apologist and the famous Christopher Hitchens. He's like an atheist that atheists love to love. You know, they love him. Recently, he died. 62 years old, he died of cancer. One thing I can tell you for sure, he now knows the truth. But in this debate, anyway, we'll leave that alone. In this debate, in front of hundreds of university students, it was at a college university, hundreds, probably thousands were there in this, 
in this huge auditorium. And the apologists went first, you know, and they let him, and he started breaking it down, setting his case for Christ and for creation. And he talked about all these things. And he's telling everybody how God is the unknown first cause, right? There's something that scientists never, you know, they, they could explain everything. There's facts for everything. But then they say, but the fact that it started some, the Big Bang, the, the fact that somebody had to start it, and so they call that the unknown first cause. And so the apologist is saying, I know who the unknown first cause is, right? And so, he's, and so the, the crowd is kind of hostile because, you know, think people are always going to be hostile toward Christians, right? And so, you know, he breaks it down and he gives his best thing. Now, Hitchens gets up. It's his turn, you know. He has this British accent, you know, and he's, he, he thinks he's cool. And he starts making fun of Christians and people start laughing. And he starts mocking Christ and people are laughing. He ain't even saying nothing good. He's just mocking and people are laughing. And, and he mocks the ridiculous, unproven story about the birth of Jesus and the resurrection. And he mocks God and, 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 and he mocks this guy who believes in a creator. And then he says this. And look, these are his words. I had to rewind it a couple of times because I can't believe he said this. He says, why do we have religion? Why are we here discussing this? He said, I'll tell you why. Because we are passion-seeking mammals. It's part of our evolution. We look for passion. We're designed to look for it. How many caught that? The atheist that doesn't believe, that believes everything happened by accident, that believes things just came together, he says, we're designed to look for passion. I would have got up right there, grabbed the mic. I said, did you just say we're designed? <laughs> Walked away. And it would have been done. No more debate. You just said we were designed. I know who designed us. Case closed. Amen? Stephen Hawkins, that's the famous atheist that everybody loves. He's written books and everything. He said, religion is a fairy tale story for people who are afraid of the dark. John Lennox, an apologist, he said, atheism is a fairy tale story for people who are afraid of the light. Thank you very much. That was awesome. The series, I thought these don't fall asleep. The series is no fairy tales. And I want to talk to you this morning about the miracles and the signs of God and a message titled that you would believe. That you may believe. Amen. So I want you to follow along with me. We're going to put this scripture up on the board. John 20. If you got your little thingies, you could go to John 20. And I want you to follow along. Let me give you kind of the scenario of what's going on. Jesus appears to the apostles after the resurrection. So this is after the resurrection. Everything's gone down. Jesus has been dead. They buried him. The tomb is empty. The people are bugging out. Now this is after the resurrection. The resurrection. Jesus appears to the apostles, but Thomas is not there. So you know what's going on. Okay? So now John 20, 24. It says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. And so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and unless I place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Unless I see, I will never believe. That's the heart of every skeptic. That's the heart of every atheist. That's the heart of every doubter, every hardened, cold heart. Unless I see, I will not believe. Well, eight days later, 
How many know things could change in a week? Eight days later, so for, for somebody today, today's your eighth day. I, I believe it. Today's the eighth day for somebody in here. Watch this. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them this time. And it says, although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. And he said, peace with you. Can you imagine Jesus just showing up in a room and saying, peace be with you? I would imagine like we'd all fall. right? Peace be with you. The prince of peace in the room. Peace be with you. And then he turns to Thomas. Can you imagine like the, the awkwardness or the tension? He turns to Thomas. Nobody's told on him. Nobody had seen Jesus before and went and told, ooh, you should hear Thomas. We were in the room. Thomas, Thomas was like, well, he was rolling his neck. And he was like, unless I put my hand. Nobody told Jesus. This is just, right, this is eight days later. Nobody's ratted on him. Nobody snitched. Right? All of a sudden, Jesus turns to Thomas. And he says, Mackie, put your hand, put your finger here. See my hands. Put out your hand. Place it in my side. Can you, I mean, just picture the moment for a minute. Come on. See the holes? See the marks? Put your, put your finger. See, see the side? Go ahead. Reach out your hand and, and put. And then, and then after he does that, after he, he does that, he tells them now, now do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. He just made Jesus God. That was a declaration in the New Testament that Jesus is God. But that's a whole other message. He said, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus said to him, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. Amen. Amen. And it goes on to say, and now Jesus did many other signs. Bible refers to miracles a lot as signs. And now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing you may have life in his name, that you may believe. Let's, let's look at God's heart in this for, for a moment, a couple of minutes this morning. We refer to Thomas as doubting Thomas, right? And we use that expression, Thomas was a doubter. But here's, what, here's a, one of the commentaries Kaufman says in his commentary. Thomas is often called a doubter, but this is only another example of dignifying sin with some other title other than what it is. The Lord did not refer to Thomas as a doubter, but as an unbeliever. Jesus told him, do not disbelieve. In the King James it says, be not faithless, but believe, have faith. And that's the heart of God for every single one of us in this room today. Be not faithless. Do not be disbelieving, but believe. Kaufman says, to every unbeliever of all ages, the challenge of the risen Christ still thunders across centuries and millennia. He says, investigate. Test the evidence. Make your own examination of the facts and be not faithless. See, I love that Thomas is not condemned for wanting all the facts. A lot of people talk about us and say, oh, Christians, you want to believe that you don't have no facts. You have no, that's not true. 
Nobody's telling us to believe on no fact. Jesus says investigate. It's, it's study. Figure it out for yourselves. Put it together. And then do not be faithless. But believe. Amen. John says these signs were recorded that we may believe. Can we dig a little deeper? All right, good. Me and Larry going in. If we read through the Gospels, Jesus had already told them what was going to happen. This is what kind of boggles my mind. Jesus had already told them so many times that this was going to happen. Right? He tells them in John 16, he said, listen to me. I came from the Father and I've come into the world and now I'm leaving this world and I'm going to the Father. He's telling them this is going to happen. I'm leaving. He tells them in Mark and in John and in front of a bunch of Pharisees one day, he tells them, destroy this temple and I'll raise it up in three days. He tells them, in a little while, you're not going to see me, and then you will see me again. He tells them in another passage, I, I love this passage in John 14. Listen, Jesus says, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to, to be with me so that where I am, you may be also. See, God wants us to be with him. Amen? I don't know why. That's one thing I can't explain. I don't know why, but God wants us to be with him. In John 14, he says, I've told you before it takes place so that when it does, you may believe. So time and time again, he told them that this was going to happen. And then just like he said was going to happen, it happens. The events start taking place. They arrest them. They take them to get beaten. They you know, the whole chain of events that he said was going to happen starts taking place. And them knowing it was all going to happen, they were scared and they ran. Most of them were not even at the crucifixion. They ran. And now at this point, these ride or die friends have found out that the tomb is empty. And they're like, hmm, that's strange. And they, and they found out but his body's not there. And they hear about the angels, and, and then he appears to them, and they say, man, maybe he rose. Maybe this really happened. Maybe what he said was going to happen. Maybe it happened. And so one day they're gathered together, and the door's closed. Why do you think the door's closed? Because they're scared. The Bible says they're scared. That's probably the only house with a, with a door at that time. They're scared. They lock themselves in. They're afraid. Jesus shows up in their gathering. Why? Because his word says where two or three are gathered, I won't be locked out. How does Jesus get in the room if the room's not open? Is he a ghost? No. Remember Jesus said in John 10, 7, I am the door. Come on. That's good preaching, bro. Come on. Come on. That's good preaching. How did Jesus get in when the door... He said, I am the door. You can't lock me out of anywhere. I am the door. I'm not a ghost. This ain't Casper. I don't have to walk through walls. I am the door. Wherever I need to be, I'm there. Where two or three are gathered, I'm in their midst. Come on. He's in the house. And then he shares with them, and Thomas wasn't there. And now the disciples are feeling empowered all of a sudden. They're like, this joint is for real. This is the truth. And the word says that they get it now. 
And here's what I struggle with. I don't understand how these guys followed Jesus around for three years. They saw the most incredible things every day. Right? Every day. Because John says that, you know, even the stuff that we have written in the book is not all the stuff that happened. He said, if we were to write down all the miracles and all the signs that Jesus gave, there wouldn't be room in the earth to hold the books that would have to be written. Right? That's what the word says. So so that means it's more than just that in those three years, all the things that we read would be enough to be like, man, that's a lot of stuff Jesus did. But no, he says that there's so much more we ain't ain't even telling you about. So imagine these guys are following him around for three years. They saw every day with Jesus was an adventure. Somebody's getting saved. Somebody's getting delivered. There was a group over there, and they got their healing on. This whole group of 5,000, they all ate from one KFC chicken bucket. One bucket. And every day these miracles are happening, right? Everywhere. There's a group over here, and there's, and there's more. And, and there's one over here with an evil spirit that start mouthing off when Jesus preaches. And Jesus goes, shh, shh, Get out. And they watch evil spirits just be removed from people. And they watch this day in, day out. He would cast the spirit out, keep it moving. Blind guys by the side of the road, open your eyes. See, lame guys with no legs, get up. Come on, let's take a walk. All day. Can you imagine like walking around with somebody like that for three years? Every day. I don't see. Now you see. I don't see. Now you see. I got leprosy. Look, my whole skin is rotting away. No, it isn't. Look again. No, no, really, I got rot. Oh. All day, all day. Can you imagine all day? And and these guys are along for the ride, man, all day. They watching this stuff all day. All day. And, he, and, and on the way, he picks up a couple of fishermen, a bunch of brutos that are, you know. He picks up a tax collector, a couple of crazy brothers that those guys should be institutionalized if we look at, you know, the sons of Zebedee, those guys, right? And, and all this time, like, like one time, there's crowds of people pressing in like if Kardashian came out the room or something, right? And there's crowds of people and they're walking, everybody's touching them. And all of a sudden, he stops and says, whoa, somebody touched me. He said, what do you mean somebody touched you? There's 4,700 people touching you right now. He said, no, 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 no. Somebody just got their healing. Somebody touched me. Can you imagine? So how do you know that one person got a healing out of all these people? Watch. Where is she? And then she gets up with me. (laughs) Can you imagine three years of this? Like every morning, where are we going today, Jesus? Oh, you heard that crazy naked guy in the cemetery? Let's go make him right with God. Let's go get him well. Remember that, 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 that lady, that Samaritan lady that everybody says she's a slut? Let's go talk to her and make her an evangelist. Every day, all day. And so they walked and talked and saw miracles and signs on the regular. They were anointed. They did miracles on their own. Can you imagine? Now I'm not just watching. Now I'm doing it. I'm with Jesus and I'm saying, open your eyes. Oh, snap you can see. Yo! Can you, I'm walking with Jesus, a lame man. And he said, hey, can you have a dollar? Peter said, yo, I don't money, I got nothing. Silver and gold, I got nothing. But what I do have, I give to you. Get up. He gets up. Oh, my God, that man just got up. He got no legs. 
Oh my God. And, and so they're doing this all day. And then it takes, it, it's time for Jesus to go get crucified like he said he would. And he comes back and visits them. And now they get it. I wonder if we're like that. Could it be that in our time? We could come to church for years. We could leave the tears and mocos all over the front. Go back and still not get it. Go back and still talk about people here. Could we leave worship where God touched us and we're feeling so empowered that we have to lift our hands and we're looking at ourselves like, what am I doing? Why am I lifting my hands? And when, you know, when you get that word, like I saw men today with their hands up and men that I've never seen them raise their hand unless they were, somebody was, you know, giving away something free. And I was amazed. I said, wow, man, when God just makes men lift their hands up, that's, that's power, right? But, but can you imagine, you know, that, oh, man. Could it be that we could have that experience here every Sunday, answer every altar call, get saved every week? And then leave and not be, don't get it? Leave here and then say, oh, did you see what this sister showed up with? You, did you see what Emanita was wearing? What? I see everything through that thing. And, and start, and, and like, didn't we just sing? Didn't we just praise God? Didn't God just say everything? Didn't we just say, I surrender everything and nothing less? Did you see what homeboy was saying? And we leave and we're yapping and we're talking and we're not getting it. And then we said, no, I'm sitting over there because I hate this lady. This lady sit over there and I can't stand her. I, I don't know why she come to church. I can't stand her. I wish she would drop dead. I mean, like in Jesus' name, but you know, not. I mean, like, I mean, like I pray she's a Christian and goes to heaven, but I just wish she would leave this world. Come on, you've been there. You, you, come on, you got it like that. I know you do. Could it be that in our day we're like that? That we could still walk out of here like God could touch us. We could see a blessing. We could see a miracle in front of us. And we could leave here and still be cold. And still doubt. Anybody? Still be cold towards people. Still be cold towards God. I ask myself this all the time. Instead of doubting God, why don't we doubt everything else? Why don't we doubt the bad report that we get? This one's talking about you. I don't care. Amen. That doesn't matter to me. God's working on them. They're going to be all right. Right? God will, God will get, get me out their mouths. It's all right. God, God will take care of that. You know? Why don't we doubt everything else and doubt the world, doubt, doubt the negative report, doubt everything else instead of doubting God? But, but I, it's true. We do it. We do it. I, I do it. I confess. Right? I catch myself. Maybe this is just me, but it's, Sometimes something silly happens and we doubt God. We're driving around Manhattan 20 minutes looking for parking, saying, God, give me a parking. Anybody? God doesn't give you the parking. It's 20 minutes. Man, maybe God doesn't listen to me. Man, maybe God doesn't hear me. Is it just me or do you guys have any of these, these, these silly encounters, right? Maybe it's just me. God, I asked you for a parking. Did you not hear me? Was it busy? Was does this not matter to you that I'm wasting 20 minutes of my life here? 
And we doubt God for silly. But, but last week we just had a miracle in our life. Last week somebody got saved. Last week somebody, we had miracles. Last week we got, like your bill got paid. Last week we got some money we weren't even expecting. Last week somebody brought us groceries. Last week somebody gave us a new coat that didn't fit them anymore. And we're like, whoa, this is the move. Last week, but this week God doesn't provide a parking and we're doubting God. God. But the planets are still spinning. The miracle of life is happening all around us. We're so blessed last week when that happened. But, but so, so Thomas saw all of that. Thomas saw all of that. He lived all of that. He heard the same man, the Son of God, tell him what was going to happen. He heard and he saw incredible signs and wonders. Just John, John 14. I'll challenge you this week to read John 14 on your own. Read the whole thing on your own. John, John 14 this week. I just picked a couple of things out of it. It's too long. And so I just, here's my paraphrase of John 14. Jesus had told them again and again, and he tells us today, let not your hearts be troubled. Somebody needs to hear this today. Listen, listen, lean in. You've been sleeping, but listen, listen. Come on. Over there. Come on. Woo, that was fire. I like that one. Listen, listen. Let not, who's sneaking up on me? All right. Sorry. Sorry. Let not your hearts be troubled, he says in John 14. He says, <coughs> I'm preparing a place for you. He tells us, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you know me, you know him and you're known by him. He says, truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do. He tells us, don't worry, you're not alone. I won't leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. Even when the world doesn't see me any longer, you will see me. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. I'm with you. And now I have told you this before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. And in another passage, he adds, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. Somebody say amen. amen. But take courage. I've overcome this world. For you. The greatest miracle was the resurrection. It's obvious from, from the apostles here, without the resurrection, no other miracle would have mattered. There was all kinds of magicians in that time that did magic tricks. There's magicians and charlatans today that in, under evil things do, do magic tricks, do miracles. We watch it every day on TV. This medium, that medium, this medium, every medium got a show now. Right? And they're blowing people away. Oh, but um, your titi's here. She's telling me that <laughs> you used to play the guitar, but you had the G-string was missing. And God just wants you to know, you know, and he, they just, your sister just wants you to know that. Come on, man. Wicked, wicked, but miraculous, right? They're blowing people away. So the resurrection is the most important miracle. Because the resurrection happened, every miracle matters. And I love that the word usually refers to miracles as signs. I love the imagery of that. 
We have signs all around us, right? Signs that give us the name of a street or a city or a town. It lets us know where we are. There are signs that tell us which way to go on a road, right? Which way we should go, how fast we can go. There's signs all around us that tell us what something is, right? Without signs, you know, visitors here would have a problem with those three bathrooms back there. They would have some issues, right? But when, when Thomas sees signs for himself, he calls Jesus my Lord and my God. So Jesus accepts the title. The title tells him that Thomas now believes. And throughout the scriptures, the Old Testament and New Testament, God uses signs to show us where we are to show us what to do and, and where to go and to show us who we are. And when you look at these signs in the New Testament, it's easy to think and say, well, we don't see many of those signs today. We don't see a lot of those miracles today. How many of you hear stuff like that, right? There's a lot of denominational divide about some Christians believe the time of miracles is over. That was only for the book of Acts time. And there's other, you know, churches and denominations that believe, no, miracles are every, you know, God's never changed. He's still the same. And that's a whole other message. I'm not even going to get into that. But I submit to you today that maybe we're looking at things wrong. Maybe we're just seeing things wrong. I think we see more signs today than we think. I want to, I wanna, like a wow moment right now. I want to boom, blow somebody's mind. I submit to you that every time throughout your day when you experience the love of God in some material or immaterial way through a revelation, through an answered prayer, through a sister, through a brother, I submit to you that you're seeing miracles every day. Every day. And the thing is, you're cold toward them. We all are. We've gotten so used to them that they don't dazzle us anymore. The scriptures say that God is in us. And that, that feeling we get, that sense of presence that we feel sometimes in worship, that, that direction that we receive at times, we, we recognize the signs when you pray and when you, when you do pray and get the parking spot. And people can say, oh, that's a coincidence though. So what? You, it's a coincidence. And that's fine. But when you pray and you get the parking spot and you get out of your car, and you run into the person on that block that you were praying for, that was praying for you. Or, and and when, listen, when, co co when coincidences start lining up in threes and fours, you have to stop and say, whoa, wait a minute. Maybe this is not chance. Maybe, yeah, the one parking guy, give me a parking spot, somebody pulls out. You got lucky that day. Praise God. But when the coincidences start lining up three and four in a row, you got to start saying, whoa, God. God is in this. Amen? When the probability of those things start getting supernatural, God is in this. Sometimes, sometimes you feel like you're walking and you say, you know, go to the next car. Anybody kind of, you're, you're in a subway or something, you're like, mm, go to the next car. And sometimes, you know, it's because there's six hooligans acting up. And so that's common sense. That's not spiritual. That's like, mm, that could be a little fear. I'm a little scared. I'm going to go to the next car. But when there's not six hooligans in the car and it's just regular and you feel like I got to get out of this car and go to the next car. And then and when you start to follow those promptings, I love that. I love thinking of the Holy Spirit like a secret service, like I have a little thing in my ear. I love that. That's me because I'm crazy like that, you know. But I love, I love having the Holy Spirit in my ear telling me, no, 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 stop, 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 stop. Okay, go left. Go, 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 go. I love that. Sometimes, I'm, probably people think I'm crazy in the street, but you probably see me do this sometimes, you know. In the street, I'm thinking... What are you saying, God? And sometimes I'll have to stop and, and 
open up Facebook and write a message in the middle of the street. Why? Because I'm feeling led to connect with somebody. The only way I can connect with them is on Facebook or through a text. And so sometimes I'll stop everything. And to, to, for me, I'm ADD, so I'm all over the place kind of. And, and so then it's hard for me to remember the six other things that I was supposed to do. But God uses that. Amen? Amen. Listen, for all your kids or your mom, parents with children that have ADHD, God uses that. Amen? It's not a curse. You're looking at them. But there was no diagnosis back when, when I was a kid. So they just said, that kid is bad. He don't know how to pay attention. But no, no, I got destiny on my life. God, God's preparing me to be able to pray for you and think about you and write a sermon at the same time. <laughs> Come on, man. So, sometimes there's these, these, these things, right, that God, listen, this could be, I remember a lady from our old church. She worked at the Twin Towers. And on 9-11, her alarm clock that has faithfully woken her up for years didn't wake her up. And so she woke up like an hour and a half late. And so she got up, got running, she's in trouble, I'm going to get in trouble at my job, I'm going to get, I can't be late, blah, 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 I'm never late, this is so, blah, blah, blah. And she, she, by the time she made it to the, she never made it to the buildings before they came down. And, and, and listen, I know that's a tough one because a lot of people died that day. And so we can say, well, why did God warn one? Why did God warn some and not the other? Why didn't God warn everybody? Why didn't God stop it in the first place? You know, I don't have those answers. I'm sorry, I don't have answers like that. That's something you need to, we need to take before the Lord. But I know that for that lady, for those families, and, and for everybody connected around her, that happened that they might believe. That you might believe that God is in charge, that God can do things like that. Amen? The problem is we're so caught up in the way God thinks things before that we don't see him doing things now. You say, God, let Peter walk on water. I wish I could do that. Why not me? But you know what? Listen, if God let some of you here walk on water, we'd have our own reality show in a week. Tell me it's not true. And we'll end up walking away from God within the month. The source of the one that let us walk on the water, we'll end up walking away from him in a month. That was funny. <laughs> I've heard so many atheists in these debates and after they mock God and make jokes about Jesus and us and the followers and everything, they say, if God could be proven, I'll follow him right now. And so they sound just like Thomas. Unless I can see, I will not believe. And the religious people of Jesus' time, I'm sorry, I'm wrapping up. Worship team, you can come so let them think it's over. The, the religious people of Jesus' time, they were the same way. The religious people of that time, in Matthew 12, it says, and some of the scribes and the Pharisees, they called out to Jesus. They said, teacher, we want to see a sign from you. And he answered them and he said to them, an evil and a dull, because he knew their hearts. He knew they just wanted a sign to test God. Sometimes we got to check ourselves in our prayers. We're testing God. God's not scared of our doubts. You could come to God with your doubt. You could come to God with your fear. You could come to God with all that. But, but, but God won't be tested. He won't be mocked. Amen? He's not an Aladdin. Like, you don't, he's not a genie. Give me three wishes. And so Jesus tells those people in that time, he says, an, an evil and adulterous generation craves a sign, and yet no sign will be given to it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. 
For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So Jesus is saying, Jonah was a picture of me. He gave up his life. He jumped off the boat so that everyone else could have life and wouldn't have to die. And after three days, he rose up. Jesus says, I am the only sign that you're going to get. Historians in that time tell us, I promise I'm finishing. Historians of that time tell us that a couple of years after Jesus, about 15 years after Jesus, there was a man named Thetis who arose among the Jews. And he started claiming that he was the Messiah. And he persuaded the people to follow him with the promise that he was going to split the Jordan River. And so people followed him. People wanted, oh, he's going to split the, he's going to do miracles. <clears throat> he said, I'm going to split the Jordan River. And so he persuaded people to follow him, and people followed him. And so obviously one day he tried, and the river didn't budge. And so the Romans dealt severely with him, and the faith died right away. Everybody that followed him by. See, he was way off, but he knew the kind of sign that people wanted to see. That's the kind of things that we want to see. We say, God, I'll follow you if you do this. I'll follow you if you do. My, my challenge to you this week is don't limit the Spirit of God, which is in you. And instead of spending the day at the park trying to walk on puddles, recognize that the Spirit of God is in you. And the, the Spirit of God is saying to you, see the signs all around you. And don't discount the miracles that you experience every day. Every day. And I tell you to take a, another step forward. Start telling people about those, those signs. Start telling people. Make it big so that you realize, because when, you, when your friend goes, oh my God, that happened? And then you realize, oh snap, that is a big deal, right? I've been used to that because that happens to me all the time. And we don't realize. God is doing this in our lives all the time. And we don't realize until you start to tell somebody that hasn't experienced that. See, Christians have the best story to tell, but we don't, we're not telling anybody. Let's just bow our heads for a moment. I believe there might be a couple of us here today that, man, God set you up today. He brought you exactly on the time so that you could hear somebody else that doesn't know you tell you, don't be faithless, but believe. God is calling you to believe. Some of you have seen too much. You know too much. You've experienced too much. God has been too good in your life and in the lives around you. You've seen too much. God is saying now, stop asking for signs. No more signs are going to be given to you except the sign of me, Jesus. Today is the day of salvation. That's you and you feel like you need to answer today. You need to, you're saying, man, I don't want to be faithless anymore. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm just going to ask you to slip up a hand and say, man, that's me. God's calling me to be 
faithful today. God's calling me to believe. Amen. 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 Praise God. Leave it right there. There's no magic prayer for those of you that raise your hands, for those of you that kind of raise your hands inside because you're still maybe feeling scared to raise it on the outside and have somebody think next to you that you're actually a Christian. There's no magic prayer that seals the deal. It's a heart thing. I can lead you in, you know, the most elaborate prayer. It doesn't matter. It's a simple heart thing in your heart that you say, God, I want you to be Lord of my life. Thomas said, my Lord and my God. And that was enough. Jesus said, now you believe because you've seen. Blessed are those that have not seen and yet believe. So if you would just come to God today in that simple honesty and say, God, I, I've had questions, I've had doubts, I've had insecurities, I've had things that I believed in that I don't believe in. Sometimes my, my whole theology has been rocked. I don't know what I believe, but, but I believe today that today is the day of salvation and God is calling me and that's you. Just say that prayer as we worship, as we maybe, let's all stand together. Let's stand with our brothers and sisters today. And let's worship for a couple moments before we leave this place. But remember my challenge to you this week. Read John 14 and recognize every area that God is working in your lives and start to tell people about it. Amen? So that you could accept what God is doing and be blown away by it. Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord God, for good soil. I thank you, God, that this place has good soil. God is showing me this good soil here. There's, there's seed that gets planted here, and it takes root. That's nothing to do with us. That's you. There's, there's good soil. Seed gets planted, and as it keeps, it keeps being watered, as we gather together, as we encourage one another, it keeps watering, it keeps growing, and there'll be good fruit. The Bible says we'll know each other by our fruit. I'm believing for good harvest here, for good fruit.